Amen. Once again, we are in our study, woohoo, world religions, cults, and the uncle, number 15. That's right, Pastor Bobby, what is it? Satanism and the rise of devil worship. That's right, he said it with authority. Satanism and the rise of devil worship. Now, why is it number 15? For those of you who haven't uh, been tracking with us for 8,000 years, uh, that's our 15th section of different studies that we are on in our study, World Religions, Cults, and the Occult, right? Now, by way of recap, because that's what we do, and certainly since we've had a long break in between with our move on this study, uh, we're going to uh, explore where we have been. Now, so far, we've already seen the first thing uh, about Satan was the existence, the sad news we saw before. Unfortunately, you wonder why there's a rise of devil worship, i.e. Satanism today, because 65% of professing Christians don't even believe in a literal devil. That's why he's having a heyday, folks. Then we took a look at not only the existence, we also began to take a look at his character and his tactics. God is, again, we, we dealt with him, an extensive study on the armor of God and how we can be equipped in these last days. Okay, God doesn't leave us hanging high and dry. Then we're going to take a look at the history of Satanism. And what we saw is the history of Satanism, how it got off the ground to be, begin to literally to permeate, even as we're going to see again tonight, the church is it started in the 1800s Okay, with the lie of evolution. And it's the same tactic that he caused the fall of man in Genesis chapter 3 with Adam and Eve. What's the first thing he did? Did God really say, what was that? He caused, the first thing he did was to cause doubt, okay, about God's existence and then to say Satan's a good guy, listen to him, not God. Well, believe it or not, that's what evolution does, right? Gets you to doubt God. Is there really a God? Did we really come from the goo to the zoo to me and you? Or is it really Adam or an ape? You know, it gets you to doubt. And then guess what? As soon as that happened, most people don't get this, and we already dealt with this. Right after the 1800s, here comes uh, the next onslaught. Okay, it goes from evolution in the 1800s, and here comes these guys. The Romantics. Now, that's not some groovy band in the 80s. The Romantics were a group of people who, because of evolution, disavowed God's existence, and they began to promote Satanism, that Satan is not just real, but he's a good guy, right? Same tactic he did in Genesis chapter 3. It all started there, uh, as we saw before. And then it moved on to this lady, also promoted. That's Madame Blavatsky, if you guys recall that. And uh, basically, she came up with theosophy, her view of God. And basically, as you can see there, her magazine, she began to promote Lucifer as a good guy right, in her magazine. No bones about it, okay? Uh, then it moved on to her uh, devotee, Annie Besant, okay? And then it went to uh, another lady, Alice Bailey. Alice Bailey came up with Lucifer uh, Trust or Lucis Trust, which is still in existence today and is still working with the United Nations to push, guess what? The same satanic message. This whole idea of a one-world government, a one-world leader, all that stuff, the new world order, that comes from the Satanists. That's where it's coming from. Okay, and they're still working with the UN, pushing that. That's what we need. We don't need God. We don't need Jesus Christ. We're not trusting him. Satan is the one with his wisdom, they believe, who's going to usher in an age of utopia. And the Bible is the only book on the planet, as we saw, that tells you, uh-uh, that is the Antichrist kingdom. You don't want to be a part of that. But those, that's where it started, okay, and it's still in existence today. Then it went to this guy, the history of Satanism, what we're talking about here. Aleister Crowley, he came up, we'll see it again tonight, the number one law of Satanism, do what you will, shall be the whole of the law, okay? And he began to be popular, not just in the UK, but because of music bands and television and Hollywood also began to take foot over here in the United States of America, which led to this guy, as we saw, Anton LaVey. He basically popularized in America Satanism, made it kind of cool to be a Satanism, okay? And then after his death, okay, this is where it began to splinter in a major mega way. We saw it went to his third partner, I guess you would say, uh, Blanche Barton, 
Uh, and then she goes off to New York after his death and starts the Church of Satan. Then his oldest daughter, Carla, Carla LeBay, she goes off. She stays in San Francisco where he was at and had his headquarters and starts the first satanic church. Then it splinters to his uh, other daughter, Zena, Zena LeBay. And then she joins, uh, she has a falling out with the family. She joins the Temple of Set. She starts what was called the Sethian Movement. Seth, of course, we saw before was another name for uh, Satan. And uh, then today, uh, if she's still alive, and uh, last I heard she was, unfortunately, she's involved in the Tibetan Tantric Buddhism, uh, which is extremely dark, uh, unfortunately. Then we saw it actually crept into the United States military, not just the U.S. military, but other militaries around the world, certainly the U.K., with this guy, Michael Aquino. Uh, and he's the one that started the Temple of Set that Zena initially joined and then jumped out and did her own thing back in 1975. Then we saw it continued to split and grow. It went to these people, the Order of Nine Angles, okay? Uh, and basically, the Order of Nine Angles are basically a neo-Nazi group, okay? A neo-Nazi satanic order where there is no loyalty. They even want to kill their own soldiers and stuff and things of that nature. And that's unfortunately in the military uh, today. And that was no surprise because we saw that Hitler who's a type of antichrist. He was also into the occult on a mate. He was not only an evolutionist, right? And that's why we saw before he was wanting to kill the Jewish people because they were the lowest on his evolutionary list. Had the Aryan race at the top, Jewish people at the bottom. But if he would have annihilated all the Jews, of course, God stopped him, then what would have happened? According to his evolutionary list, the black people would have been next, then the Orientals, the Slavics, and on up until he had his uh, pure race, okay? But he was not only an evolutionist, he was an occultist, big time, right? And uh, we saw that with the Thule Society. We saw that Hitler carried around with him a mandrake root, just as uh, also depicted in the Harry Potter films, straight out of the occult. Uh, that's just a major indoctrination in the occult with the Harry Potter films. Uh, and then also the swastika is an occult symbol, right? Uh, if anything, if people knew the occult and the symbols of the occult, which we'll eventually, Lord willing, get into, if we're still alive and still here, we're going to spill them out just like we did in witchcraft. Uh, Hitler let you know that they were not just the, the, the Nazis. They were an occult group, okay, including the SS. The SS is an occult symbol as well with the double uh, uh, lightning bolt, okay, lightning from Satan falling from, you know, same thing. And so they were letting people know, but the problem is, guess what? The people didn't know. They didn't know the occult science. So Hitler made no bones about it. We're here. We're involved in the occult, okay, as we saw before. But that's what is eventually with this going on with this Order of the Nine Angels. They're basically the modern-day uh, neo-Nazi Hitler group. And if we saw, once the real Antichrist shows up, he's going to have an army of these guys, unfortunately, uh, to be his hit squad, uh, to do what basically the SS did for Hitler, unfortunately. Then we saw, we're almost there, the Satanic Temple, uh, is the big one that's going on today. It's led by this guy, Lucian Greaves. You might have seen him in the media. And they are out there, as we saw before, these guys, the Satanic Temple, they're out there to promote, maybe you've heard this term lately, it's called social justice. Have you heard that? Basically, everything that the Democrat Party right now is promoting is being promoted by the Satanists. They're on the same page. Shocker. That's right. Shocker, as we saw also back in our witchcraft study. And here's what they're promoting, just like liberal Democrat party today. These Satanists right here are promoting abortion, homosexuality, rejection of Christian values, pro-Muslim support, open rebellion, removal of Christian displays, uh, teaching kids about Satan in school, replacing uh, with satanic displays, praying to Satan in schools, praying to Satan in government buildings, statues of Satan in government buildings. And you wonder why our country is getting so devilish. Hello. And can I tell you something? The church not teaching on this keeping your mouth shut about it doesn't help, 
right? And every single time, if you guys were here with the, our previous studies, including the witchcraft study, every time Old Testament, New Testament, what are we quoting from? The Bible. And if you're a Christian, you're supposed to learn how much of the Bible? All the Bible. So how could you never ever once talk about the occult? It's all over the place, right? But Christians say, I don't want to hear I don't, I didn't come here. I, I don't, hey, listen, I'm not here for you. I'm here to teach you the word of God, right? And, and so guess what? You need to be equipped with this, right? But keeping your mouth shut, most churches do. Guess what? It, it's back to this. It, no wonder there's Satanism and the rise of devil worship. You're giving these people carte blanche. Have a heyday while we just sit here and watch everything be destroyed, Okay. And so that's where we're at. Then finally, and again, I had to do this big cut up because we've been in for a while. Finally, we left off with the first one with the beliefs of Satanism, right? So we dealt with the existence, the character, the tactics, the history, now the beliefs. And we saw basically in a nutshell, Satanism is a religion of what? Self-worship, right? Self-worship. Do what you want. I will be God. Don't listen to God. Uh, This is, as we saw, what caused the fall of Satan. So no wonder it's their big law. Right? Do what you want. Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, that's what caused Satan to fall. Okay, And again, we saw the number two laws of Satanism. The first one is this, again, based on Aleister Crowley. Do what you will, it shall be the whole of law. It's all about self, me, myself, and I, the unholy trinity. Don't You do whatever you want to do, whatever pleases you. That's the number one law of Satanism. And we're going to see again tonight is the number one celebrated virtue in our society today. And you wonder why it's getting so devilish out there. The second one, as we saw, was the uh, of Satanism, the self-awareness law. Quote, man is a what? divine being within life's purpose is to realize the divine within when this is achieved you now recognize your what you are god right you're god you decide what's right and wrong right you do whatever you want to do and what is the average attitude of people today that self is on the throne it's all about what you want you're god you'll get to decide including on eternal matters right don't tell me what to do right i'll do what i want i'm here i want i i i I. that's that's the number one law of satanism and when you think you're the one who's in charge and you can discern truth then basically you're putting your position as yourself in position as god first two laws of satanism people don't get it today and i'm telling you it's even crept into the church today but they don't get it they don't equate with satanism but it is that's how far satanism has crept not just in our world in the church unfortunately we're going to see that it's gone even further. It's gone into the church on a massive scale. And that's what we saw last time. There's actually Christians out there that say we need to love ourselves above all. We need to esteem ourselves above all. We need to please ourselves. And they, and they flip it so hard on its head, on the biblical head, that if you don't do that, then you can't have a fulfilling life. As we saw, that's not what the Bible says. Here's what the Bible says. First of all, you don't live for yourself, right? I didn't say that. God did. Second Corinthians 5.15, and he, Jesus, died for all that those who should live should no longer what? Live for themselves, but for him who died for them and is raised again. The Bible says, you know, what, what do you mean love yourself? This is what the Bible says. You want to love somebody? Here you go. Matthew 22, 37 to 39. Jesus replied, love the who? Lord your God. He comes first with what? All your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And this is the first and the greatest command. And the second one is like it. Love who? Still not yourself. Your neighbor as yourself, right? And notice there's not three commandments. There's only two. Love God, love other people. But they actually say, no, there's a third there. It's love yourself. And if you don't do that third one, you can't do the first two. That's called twisting the scripture, right? But that's the number one law of Satanism. Also, you ought, but my self-esteem is now, well, no, you're not even supposed to esteem yourself, right? Read the Bible, Philippians 2, 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem who? Others, what? Better than yourself. I'm just quoting Bible, folks. And the Bible says, it ain't about you what you want to do. Don't indulge yourself, right? Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must what? 
deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So my question is, that's what's actually being promoted, not just in the world, it's being promoted in the church. How in the world did the church get flooded and begin to operate everything under the first two laws of, what is it? Satanism. See, we don't equate this, but once you, and people don't get it because they've never been taught. They've never been taught about the occult. But when you're saying what the cult believes, you're going like, you got to be kidding me. You didn't just infect the world. You came into the church. And again, you keep your mouth shut, then guess what? All you do is not just help ruin the world. You're helping ruin who? The church. But not a Sunrise Bible Church, right, Pastor Bobby? That's right. You're going to get the whole truth, nothing but the truth, and, and uh, stop eating chicken or however that goes. But anyway, that's right. So how did he do it, right? How in the world did it get so impacted in the church? Not just the world, the church. Well, that's what we're going to see tonight uh, in, in our... Uh, uh, study here. We're going to go basically beliefs, and we're going to go into our part two, specifically how did it get into the church, okay? We know what they believe, okay? Well, believe it or not, it came from secular psychologists who got their information from actual demons, and they admit it, as we'll see here in a second, okay? But again, this is what we saw. This, we were told 2,000 years ago, and we're going to see three different prophecies tonight, okay, that this is what's going to happen to the church. And believe it or not, they're going to follow Satanism, right? Let me demonstrate that to you, the first one. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. But mark this, there's gonna be terrible times in the last days. Oh, if, uh, what, what's, gonna, what's so terrible about, how, how did it, what's the first thing on the list? I'm just quoting scripture, folks. People will be what? How many times did you read that, but you don't equate it with what you need to equate it with? What is the number one law of Satanism? So can we translate that to modern vernacular, to what is literally going on today, to what is true? No embellishment, but mark this. Of course, no wonder it makes sense. There's gonna be terrible times. Why is it gonna be terrible times last time? Because people are going to become Satanists. You get it? And then once you buy into that, love self, self first, then what's gonna happen? Boy, it goes downhill from there, right? Because that's what the fruit of Satanism is, all about destruction. They'll become lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with him. Why? Because guess what? Those people are involved in Satanism. I don't care if they're sitting in the pew next to you. I don't care if they're preaching from the pulpit. They're preaching Satanism. Get away from it. That's the modern vernacular of that passage, folks. We just don't equate it. We've read that how many times? But you don't realize, lovers of, oh, that's the number one law of Satanism. And you wonder why things are getting messed up, not just in the world, uh, but in the church, okay? Now, there's a second prophecy that Paul warned. This is what you're gonna see in the church in the last days, right? It's not just the world being lovers of themselves. The church is gonna buy into it too. And that's part of the apostasy. And that's what Paul says here, 2 Timothy 4. Verses three through four, for a time will come, he's talking about the last days, when men will what? This is the church, not put up with sound doctrine. Can I equate that? They don't wanna hear the Bible. Now here's the key phrase there. Instead to suit their what? Own desires. What's that mean? I want what I want. I want you to give me what I want. What is that? Self again. So the selfism, the lovers of self is gonna creep into the church and they're gonna say, I don't want the Bible. I want what I want. I want what pleases me. And then here's what it is. And so what they're going to do? They, the church, is going to gather around themselves. What does that tell you? It ain't just the hirelings, the fake shepherds that are sold out and preaching Satanism, basically. It's the what? 
It's the church. That's what they want, right? If you're a true preacher of the word of God, the whole counsel of God, have fun getting a job in the American church today. The church today doesn't want that. They want selfism. They want basically Satanism. I'm not, when you understand what it is, I'm telling you, I'm not embellishing it. And it it, it stings, but it's supposed to. That's how bad it's gotten. All right, and I'm gonna prove it to you even more so. Instead, to suit their own desires, self's on the throne, they will gather around themselves a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to miss. As we've seen many times before, uh, their itching ears is kenetho in the Greek. It means only pleasant things, to desire that which is only pleasant. And then myths is muthos, stories made up. So basically in the last days, the church is gonna be, it's what they want. And what do they want? They don't want the word of God. I want you to tell me, myself, only pleasant things. I don't care if you have to make a story up about your fluffy cat and how much you liked eating chocolate in the third grade growing up and you cried when your grandma gave it to you. (laughs) Uh, That's what I want. Is that today? What's it stem from? Lovers of self, what I want, not the truth, not the, that. Folks, we're living it live. But where's this coming from? This is what? A spillover from Satanism. Satanism has crept uh, in, in the church today. Uh, they only want is pleasant for self. Stories made up for self. No conviction of self. No talk about hell for self. No mention of denying self. No, no talk about backsliding or sin for self. No talk of wrath. No talk of repentance. I mean, because that doesn't make self feel good. That's the church today. That's Satanism. Whole churches are doing this today. It's all about self. I don't need the word of God. You just give me self-inflated statements of importance. That's what I want. And there's whole churches out there, folks, that cater to that. Cater to what? Put it in this context. Satanism. Can you believe that? Including this guy. We saw this before. Watch this one again. In today's uncertain times, life can feel overwhelming and leave you struggling for answers. But you can overcome life's challenges. Wake up every morning inspired and looking forward to each day. Introducing the Inspiration Cube, the easy-to-use portable audio system filled with life-changing messages of hope, guidance, and strength from Joel Osteen, one of the world's most inspiring spiritual leaders. You may feel today like you're trapped. That is not how your story ends. Some dreams are waking up. Hope is waking up. Abundance is waking up. With the simple push of a button, remove those negative thoughts with a new message to inspire your day. God is saying to you, you have struggled long enough. Unexpected blessings are coming your way. Over 400 of Joel's greatest inspirations ever assembled, all on this easy-to-use audio listening cube. It's all positive. It's not negative. Our lives are changed completely. Start each day with just a touch and sit back for a powerful message of hope guidance and inspiration the forces that are for you are greater than the forces that are against you it makes you really energized god is in control of your life and boy have i seen the blessings he put the hope in my heart refuse the negative thoughts that prevent you from reaching your goals and take back control you can't think negative thoughts and live a positive life if you'll get your mind going in the right direction your life will go in the right direction It was almost like a friend was speaking to me. I'm at peace. My victory's already accounted for. The Inspiration Cube, filled with the best of the best from Joel Osteen for the ultimate collection of the most powerful daily inspirations ever assembled. Not one Bible verse. Fluffy sayings from man that make what feel good. Self. That's being aired on major networks across the United States of America. When I first saw it, it was on Fox News as a commercial. 
Can you believe that? And what the scriptures say in the last days? How do you know you're in the last days? People wouldn't just be lovers of themselves, i.e. go into Satanism. But even the church would get into there because it's all about themselves. And they're going to say, listen, I don't want the word of God. Don't give me that. Give me what? Only pleasant things and whatever makes me feel good. I don't care if you got to make up a story. And now it's been reduced to a cube. I don't need the Bible. I need an inspiration cube. Can you believe that? I wish I was making this up. I wish I was a parody. It's not. Which means what? We're in the last days, man. We are in the last days. Wow. Talk about a prophecy come to pass. It's self-inflated statements of self-promoting self-engine. Folks, that is hardcore number one and number two laws of Satanism. We just don't call it that because nobody ever talks about it anymore. Uh, but this is also why his message also resonates with new agers who also believe that Satan's a good guy, who also believe that they're God and they could decide what's right and wrong, including one of the biggest new agers on the planet, Oprah Wan Kenobi. Her and him get along great. They're on the same page because they're coming from the same source. Watch this. You know, I declare that if you, if you were to do the declarations for 31 days, your life would change. That's what you did it for, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. One, yes. day, one day a month, and, you know, you can continue to do them, but it's a great start. You can watch Pastor Joel's entire I Am Sermon. We have it on Oprah.com. Final thoughts from you, Pastor Joel. Well, I think it's just so important to never speak negative words about yourself, your family. You know, it may come to your mind, but don't give your words life by speaking them out. Don't ever say anything negative about yourself. You may feel it, but just, you know, zip it up and, and make those positive declarations. It takes time, though, because from the time I heard the I Am Sermon, I mean, I, what it did, and I'm hoping this is what's going to happen for all of you who are watching, who are here, is that you start catching yourself. Because, you know, if you're however old you are, you have the habit of feeding the negative tapes to yourself. Mm -hmm. I do too. And so when you first catch yourself doing it, you switch it, just as we've been doing here today. You switch the I am, and it takes practice. That's why the I declare, the declarations, help you get into the practice of it. Yeah. Could you lead us in a few I am's today? Absolutely. Okay. Can we all stand? Can we all stand? All right, let's stand. All right. All right. Just repeat after me. I am strong. I am strong. I am healthy. I am healthy. I am confident. I am confident. I am secure. I am secure. I am talented. I am talented. I am creative. I am disciplined. I am disciplined. I am focused. I am valuable. I am beautiful. I am beautiful. I am blessed. I'm excited about my future. I'm excited about my future. I am victorious. I am victorious. And I'm being indoctrinated in Satanism. Woo! It's all about self. Right, so don't say anything negative? Really? What, what, what do you do when you sin? And you need to acknowledge that. That's not good. You've got to be honest. You confess if you're a Christian. Praise God, he's faithful and just to forgive us. But you got to acknowledge it. What, what, do you, what do you mean, just act? I, I can't say no, no, nothing negative about what? Self. Oh, and by the way, what was the other thing? I declare. I am sermon. Why don't you just capitalize it? And if you think that's by chance, I don't think so, folks. And this is why he and Oprah Wan Kenobi get along. She preaches the same satanic lie that we're little gods, and you can declare what you want into existence about. I'm, I'm like, and again, I don't think it's by chance, right? What's the scripture say about the name of God? 
Old Testament, New Testament, Exodus 3, 13 through 14 and 15, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, what is his name? And then what should I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And that's why this is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. And Jesus, this is why the Jewish people want to stone him because he declared, I am God. He's God in the flesh, right? And this is what we see here. John 8, 57 through 59. You are not yet 50 years old, the Jews said to him, Jesus, and you've seen Abraham. And I tell you the truth, Jesus answered before Abraham was born, what? I am. And at this, they what? Picked up stones and stone them. Why? Because they knew the name I am means you're what? God. You, do you think it's by chance? Obi-Wan Kenobi, New Ager, and now Joel Osteen uh, is using the same thing. It's the same thing, folks. It all came from the same source. That's why they get along. Oh, by the way, I'm not saying going out there and being an antagonist and, and being annoying on purpose to people, but when the world loves you, what's the scripture say? Something ain't right. Because if you're really preaching the truth, not everybody's going to love you. Can I tell you something? If Oprah loves you and says, I got the same message, that's not a good sign, <laughs> right? That's just common sense, right? Especially if you're supposed to be a Christian. Okay, so again, uh, this is the same thing that's going on. Okay, so now we're going to see why the church began to promote it. And believe it or not, it's the third prophecy we're going to see tonight. This one you need to turn into your Bibles. First Timothy chapter 4, right? So why did it happen? We know that it's lovers themselves. That's where it started. We know that the church is going to get into it because it's what they want to hear. Self is on the throne. But why did it happen? Okay, but let's take a look at that. And that's 1 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 2. Uh, 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 2. If you find 3 Timothy, what do you do? New Bible. That's right. It's not there. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 through 2. Here it is, the third prophecy. Okay, and this is cool because really, I mean, you put all this in the vernacular, as crazy as this sounds, why is the church so messed up today? God told us three different prophecies at least the church would begin to promote Satanism. Right? But where did it come from? How did it happen? Let's take a look. The Spirit clearly says, again, what's the context? Latter times, last days. Right? Clearly says that what? Some, and he's talking about the church, well, what? Abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things what? Touch by demons, or literally doctrines of demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. Now, let's freak out on the Greek, okay? Uh, let's tear it apart. The Spirit clearly says, clearly is the Greek word retos, which means, listen, in great detail, leaving no room for understanding. Very emphatic about that. He basically is saying, this is absolutely going to happen. There's no mistaking it, no misunderstanding of this. What? That in the last days, you can guarantee, bank on it, in the latter days, last times, the last season, literally in the Greek, here's what's going to happen. Here's the sign you're living in the latter times. Some in the church will abandon the faith. Abandon is the Greek word, aphistomi, ah, the alpha, prerogative means no or none, basically. So it's a negative in front of the word. So and aphistomi uh, uh, means to stand, and so basically, no stand That's what it means in the rough Greek. No stand, can't stand, will not stand, okay? These people have no ability to stand what? They what? They don't, they depart with, they go away with, they literally free, flee from what? From the truth, right? These people are going to literally flee from God's truth. And it tells you where are they going to go to, right? So they're not just going to depart and flee at breakneck speeds. They're going to flee to what? Following deceiving spirits, things taught by demons. 
Follows prosuko in the Greek, it means to listen, turn the mind to, to be attentive of, to give heed to, to hold to, to cleave to, to listen, be addicted to, to be devoted to in thought and effort. So there were, this is no casual doing by these people. They made a deliberate choice to sit there and go, nope, not going to follow God's truth, and I want this. I, this, this, this. What? Things literally taught by demons. What? This is in the church. How could you literally say, absolutely, no. And then, dare I say, use the word, lust after something taught from a demon. How could that happen? Well, you turn aside from the truth, and, and it's all about self. You'll listen to anybody who what? Plays the self, including false teaching, doctrines of demons. And that's what they're going to do. Deceiving spirits, things taught by demons. These people are being deceived and seduced into being devoted to things taught by demons. And they don't just turn away from God. Listen, their consciences have been seared. In the Greek, it's where we get the word cauterize. When you cauterize a wound, sear it like, you know, and it stops the bleeding. Or when you get that juicy steak. You're slapping on that grill. That's the key to having a juicy steak, right, John? If the heat's got to be there to what? Seal it in, the cauterize, right? So it doesn't bleed anymore. It keeps all the yummies inside. But that's what's used here. These people, literally, their minds are what? Have you ever tried to go up to somebody? And you're, or, or should I say, try doing this. I have run into this everywhere I've ever pastored. I, I've shared it before. I could sit here, and we're going to expose it again tonight. I can sit here and say, hey, listen, did you know all this talk about putting yourself first, love self, 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 self this, self-esteem, self, you know, even above God and other people? Did you know that's the number one law of Satanism? I will sit there and I'll demonstrate it, and we're going to do it again tonight. I'll demonstrate that. I kid you not, I'll be over there and, and greeting people as they, as they leave. And I'll, invariably, I'll have somebody come to me, hey, Pastor Billy, can you pray real quick for my kid? They got low self-esteem. <laughs> Have you been cauterized? What's going on? I, what? They have been so brainwashed with the world. That's the panacea to everything. That's what's causing all the trouble. No, that's what's causing the trouble. Because the sin nature, the flesh nature is all about what? Self. The moment that we sin, what are we doing? Self wants what self wants above God. I have to have it now. And then you're, here comes this teaching. That's the number one law of Satanism. Even if you don't want to equate it, you're putting gas on the flame. No wonder people are going nuts. Because it's And then you want to have a fight? Then have one person who's in love with self uh, come across another person who's loving the self, and their self-desires conflict. <laughs> cauterized. They're cauterized. They're sealed. They won't give it up. Talk to your blue in the face. I know. You're wrong. I'm just reading Bible. I'm not making this up. I'm not being a heretic. I'm not being a conspiracy theorist. It's right. I'm just reading Bible. Everything you say is exactly opposite of what God taught. He comes first. We need Savior love, Savior esteem, Savior respect. Other people above yourself need to be a servant like Jesus Christ. Oh, I'm telling you, have fun with this. It is so impacted the church, it's crazy. Now, again, where did it come from? I'm telling you, and I'm not using hyperbole. Just like this prophecy said, these people are not only going to be lovers of themselves. The first prophecy is going to come into the church, and we know that because it's all about self, what self wants, even at the expense of the truth. I don't want the truth. Just make myself feel good. But it's going to come from teachings of demons. Where did this self-love, self-esteem, self, 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 self come from? It came from people who listened to demons, exactly like the text says. Let me demonstrate that to you. This self-love, self-esteem came from secular psychology, which, by the way, 
uh, there is no such thing as Christian psychology. Now, it's out there, but that's what's called an oxymoron. Icy hot, peaceful war, yummy chicken. I say it all the time, right? (laughs) Christian psychologists, uh uh-uh. You either got biblical counseling, which is what we're supposed to provide for people, or you got secular psychology. Secular psychology, folks, came straight out of the pit of demons. That's pretty crazy. Let me demonstrate it to you, right? Let's take a look. Carl Jung uh, will be up here in a second, but let's start off with Sigmund Freud. He was an evolutionist who believed that man had evolved from lower animals, and that the idea of an almighty God was just a myth made up by our forefathers to cope with life, and that religion must be destroyed. And I'm supposed to use his wisdom in the church? No, it gets worse. Yet at the same time, Freud was deeply involved in the occult and periodically consulted soothsayers who were alleged to have telepathic powers. That's demonic, folks. Not only was he an honorary fellow of the American Society of Psychical Research, but he even remarked if he could live his life over, he said he would devote himself to psychical research rather than psychoanalysis. He loved the occult. And not only that, he also loved drugs. Uh, Not only was he deep into the occult, he was extremely enthusiastic about the so-called health benefits of cocaine. He was a user of it for many years, and frankly, he was addicted to it, and that's where he got his inspiration on his cocaine highs. You don't believe me? Even the secular people admit it. Watch this. Now a tale of cocaine addiction involving two leading figures in the history of medicine. Sigmund Freud and William Halstead were two medical revolutionaries. Freud, the well-known father of psychoanalysis. Halstead, the less well-known father of modern surgery. Across the Atlantic and long before psychoanalysis, a young Dr. Freud also believed that cocaine might be his ticket to fame and fortune. One of his closest friends was addicted to morphine, and Freud published journal articles proclaiming cocaine was the cure. But he also had a more personal interest in the drug's effects. Freud loved the way cocaine made him feel, and he uh, was very interested in its psychological components. For one, it did make him feel better when he was sad. He also was amazed at how it made him talk about things endlessly that he thought were locked away in his brain. Sound familiar? That's talk therapy, but without the toxic side effects of cocaine. But he got to like it a little bit too much. Did any of this, the writings, the dreams, the sense of euphoria, all the things that he got from using cocaine, did any of those lead to anything that we now see in psychiatry today? Well, it did. It did. To begin with, the idea of talk therapy, where you talk freely or free associate from one thing to another, may have been inspired by the cocaine unleashing his tongue or his repressed memories. But most importantly, cocaine haunts the pages of the interpretation of dreams. The model dream is a cocaine dream, what addiction therapists would call a using dream. He was using cocaine quite a bit in 1895 on himself, to the point he was having chest pain, he was depressed, and he also, his nose was so congested, he had to have a surgeon open it up with a knife so he could breathe. Lots of signs that you might want to lay off the stuff. Yeah, I'd say so. So I'm supposed to listen to this guy, an atheist evolutionist, I'm not talking just even the world. Atheist evolutionist, cocaine addict, who that's where he got his ideas from on his cocaine highs. I'm supposed to listen to that instead of this. I'm supposed to share his ideas for people's counsel instead of this. I got a problem with that. That's crazy, and it gets worse as you go. That's not the only drug. Freud also had a severe addiction to nicotine to the tune of smoking, on average, 20 cigars a day, 
which eventually led to his death. You got to work at that one, right? Uh, and, and he even refused to be psychoanalyzed himself by his own teachings. Young approached him, Carl Young, and said, hey, let's, let's psychoanalyze each other. He said, nope. You know what they call that in the South, John? Hypocrite, you got that right. Okay, uh, but stir all this together, and this is one of the main primary founders of modern secular psychology, which, what's the point? Self-love, self-esteem, self, 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 comes from, right? He had a severe drug problem, and he even thought that dangerous drugs would somehow benefit other people. So therefore, shocker, is it any wonder that today's modern psychology is what? Pushing so-called, not just so-called, pushing drugs, dangerous drugs, psychotropic drugs as the solution for your ills. Don't turn to the word of God for peace, guidance, and direction. Let us give you a drug like Freud. And folks, it doesn't work. In fact, it kills a bunch of people. Watch this. A new psychological study from the National Institute of Mental Health. Just this morning, along with a long-time psychiatrist. The depression is growing wider, broader. 15% of women suffer from this Abnormalities in the neurotransmitters. Six million American kids take prescribed medication. But what if the criminal is mentally ill? The punishment, a form of aversion therapy. Everywhere you look, there it is. Think psychiatry has nothing to do with you? Think again. The whole field of psychiatry has gotten into every facet of your life. They basically believe that everyone is mentally ill. You smoke too much, it's a disease. You're too unhappy, it's a disease. You're too thin, it's a disease. You're too fat, it's a disease. Where are these coming from? These are coming from the minds of psychiatrists that are dreaming these things up writing papers and, get, and getting published with their names on it, calling, creating these new diseases. First he said that I had ADD. Then he said that I was depressed. Then he said I might be bipolar, but I don't have ADD anymore. And he said, you know, I've been noticing you, and I, I wonder if you have it too. What they decided is that both my husband and my son had a chemical imbalance that needed to be corrected with a chemical balancer. There is not one shred of credible evidence that any respectable scientist would consider valid demonstrating that anything that psychiatrists call mental illness are brain diseases or biochemical imbalances. It's all fraud. There is no reliability of diagnosis and there is no science. It's just pseudoscience. It's pretend science. This is one of the most open secrets in all of America in the psychiatric field that nothing, nothing is being done that's legitimate and they're billing for it. Psychiatrists claim that over one billion of the world's population is mentally ill. In the past 30 years, they have prescribed psychiatric medications to 543 million people. And right now, they drug 17 million school children with stimulants and antidepressants. It is really tragic. It's awful, and it's being done for money. That's why it's being done. Oh, it's got to be in the billions. I don't know the exact number, but it's got to be in the billions. It's, it's just unbelievable. This is so big that it's, it buckles the mind. Take the human tragedy you have just seen and multiply it by the millions. 
In the past four decades, nearly twice as many Americans have died in government psychiatric hospitals than in all U.S. wars since 1776. And while raking in over $2 trillion annually, psychiatrists cannot point to a single cure. Wow. Been lied to. All right. But unfortunately, it continues on. It goes downhill. Abraham Maslow, he said, listen, this, and this is all public record, folks. This isn't from joeschmo.com. You can go check it out yourself, right? Uh, Abraham Maslow, another big pillar of secular psychology, he said his life's work was motivated by what? And I'm going to listen to him for family advice? His absolute hatred of his mother drove him. And he also stated, quote, all people who were religious were either hypocrites or feeble-minded and that science was a god and that human sexuality is just like primate sexuality. Really? Okay. Okay. Therefore, it's not surprising he developed his famous, and this is where it came from, uh, uh, again, all these guys, but who really began to popularize it was Abraham Maslow and another guy named Carl Rogers with this self-love, self, 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 right? But he says that he came up with what was called the hierarchy of needs. It's unbiblical. It's the exact opposite, shocker, of what the Bible says for fulfilling life. And he taught, and you maybe you've seen this chart. He taught people in order to be fulfilled, what comes first? Self. What is that? Call it what it is, folks. The number one law of Satanism, right? Number one law of Satanism, and that one needs to esteem themselves above all and meet all self needs first before you can what? Love other people and have a fulfilling life. Uh, really? The Bible says the greatest fulfilled life is what? You love God first, we just quoted it earlier, and then your neighbors second, esteeming them above yourself, and then deny yourself and be willing to suffer if need be for God. That's a, that's a life. What did Jesus say? You give up your life, you're going to find what it is. You keep your life, you're going to lose it. It's the exact opposite of what the Scripture says. No wonder things are getting messed up, right? Karen Horney, listen to this. She suffered uh, severe bouts of depression throughout her life, a pillar of secular psychology, by the way, uh, and even attempted suicide. Later, she decided she wasn't happy with her marriage, so she began a life of constant sexual affairs, which her husband did not object to, by the way. She also said that she, had a ser- uh, she also had a serious sexual addiction for young men, which included her students and fellow colleagues, and even had sexual relations with other women as well. Then toward the end of her life, she became interested in Zen Buddhism, trying to see the connection between psycho- uh, psychological analysis and meditation. I'm supposed to listen to you? And you're the expert? In fact, you're, you're, you're way above the word of God. Shepherds today have been brainwashed to think that you are not capable of offering counsel. You need, to, you need to put it out to somebody else, these experts. Excuse me? And not even shepherds. A born-again Christian who knows the word of God, you're capable of giving biblical counseling. But they brainwash us, right? And then they bring these people in and church staff. That try to merge the two. Carl Jung, here's the other guy. And here's just like we saw with Freud was involved in the occult. Wait till you see what Carl Jung. Remember what's the prophecy say? Where are they getting it from? Things taught by what? Demons. Watch this. Here it is. Carl Jung made a wooden man, I'm not making this up, out of a ruler, and he called it mannequin. And he kept it in a wooden case, and he frequently talked to mannequin in times of trouble. This guy that we're supposed to listen to, a pillar of secular psychology, who's way above the Bible, apparently, according to them, he walked around with a box, and he, hi, Bernicott, I'm having a bad day, blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to listen to him? Oh, it gets way worse, folks, I'm telling you. He even had a mystical experience while sitting on a rock where he said he couldn't tell if he was the rock or the rock was him. And I'm not making this up, and I tried to put this in the kindest words that I could, 
But this was a major breakthrough. He says that he documents this in his right. This was a major breakthrough in my life. This revolutionized my life. It was because he had a vision. And here's that vision. Okay, he had a vision of God supposedly going to the bathroom in the sky, in the clouds, and the remains from that going to the bathroom landed on a church sanctuary, smashed it into the church, and that was a breakthrough in his life. Yeah, what with a capital W-H-A-T, question mark, question mark, question mark. (laughs) However, again, most people don't realize, not only that, it was a little messed up. Carl Jung was, shocker, absorbed in the occult, just like Freud. Studied their teachings, attended seances, listened to mediums, and practiced necromancy. Which last time I uh, uh, read in the scripture uh, is forbidden by God because it's demonic. Deuteronomy 18. And he had daily contact with disembodied spirits, which he called archetypes. The Bible calls them demons. Remember, doctrines of demons. You're going to turn away from the truth. You're going to lust after literally things that come forth from demons. Here it is. In fact, much of what he wrote was inspired by such entities, i.e. demons. And he gave them names. The first one was Philemon. And listen to uh, Young. He, He quotes him. Philemon, he said, and other figures in my fantasies, brought home to me the crucial insight that there are things in the psyche which I do not produce, but which produce themselves and have their own life. Philemon represented a force, which was not myself. In my fantasies, I held conversations with him, and he said things which I had not consciously thought, for I observed clearly that it was he who spoke, not I. So where's he getting his thoughts from? Demons, doctrines of demons. Philemon, he said, it was a mysterious figure. To me, I, I, I went walking up and down the garden with him. And to me, he's what the Indians call a guru. That's what the Bible calls a demon. Now, I'm telling you, this guy was infested with demons. That's where he got his teachings from, doctrines of demons. He contacted a, a, another, he called it a spirit guide. That's a demon. He called it Basilides. And it, quote, inspired Young to write his famous work, watch this, The Seven Sermons of the Dead. That's a nice title. And he even stated that much of the work was, listen, identical to possession that something possessed him, and he just started writing. Watch this. He said, quote, this is from Young. Then it was as if my house began to be haunted. My eldest daughter saw a white figure passing through the room. My second daughter, independent of her sister, related that twice in the night her blanket had been snatched away. At that same night, my nine-year-old son had an anxiety dream. Around five o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday, the front doorbell began ringing frantically. It was a bright summer day. The two maids were in the kitchen from which the open square outside the front door could be seen. Everyone immediately looked to see who was there, but there was no one in sight. I was sitting near the doorbell and not only heard it, but saw it moving. We all just simply stared at one another. Over the next three evenings, after that spirit demon visited, uh, the book was written. And as soon as he had begun to write, Quote, the whole ghostly assemblage evaporated, the room quieted, and the atmosphere cleared. The haunting was over. He admits this is where he's getting the stuff from, folks. Okay, he said, quote, Philemon and Basilides were just two spirit guys that were uh, in contact with Young. Uh, there was another one he called Salome, or Salome, however you pronounce that. Uh, in fact, he admitted Young, quote, these conversations with the dead, i.e. demons, formed a kind of prelude to what I had to communicate to the world about the unconscious. All my works, how many? All my works, how many? All my creative activity has come from those initial fantasies. In other words, they come from what? Demons. His teachings came from what? Demons prophesied 2,000 years ago, doctrines of demons. This is nuts, folks. It's all in print. And that's why experts today say that, listen, Young, in essence, uh, is the father of New Age, given the framework with channeling and demonic New Age practices, which is what New Agers do. He just did it earlier. Which again is why Oprah Wan Kenobi, 
and anybody who gets involved in this, they all get along because it's come from the same source, right? So what's the scripture say? Lovers of themselves. Satanism is going to, that's why it's terrible times in the last days. People are going to get into Satanism. Church is even going to fall for it, right? Because it's going to be, I don't want the truth. I want what I desire. And I'm only going to hire people that tell what I want to desire. Only pleasant things and stories made up. And he's like, well, how did the church fall for it? They started listening to what? I don't want this. I'm going to lust after what? Doctrines taught by demons. And the self-love, self-esteem, self, 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 self that's crept into the church, as you saw, came from what? Demons. All prophesied 2,000 years ago. But let me get a little bit more specific as we close. Uh, I, I don't know about you, but you take a look at those guys. How many guys would say those psychologists had some psychological problems? And, and again, I'm, I'm not only going to supposed to listen to them, but I'm told they're better than this. Have we been brainwashed even in the church or what? This is crazy, folks. Oh, and by the way, it's also on record uh, that these guys, uh, it, they got a horrible track record, okay? But I love this verse, and, and this to me applies to basically what we just saw. Proverbs 12, 8 says, everyone admires a person with good sense, but a what? A warped mind is despised. But that's, we, we don't do that. We, we, we don't, you know, that, those guys got a warped mind. We should despise it. We're not despising it. We're running after it, okay? Who in their right mind would listen to those guys? But secular psychologists are just as messed up as their patients, and most of the times, their lives are even worse. So again, even if you didn't want to see the demon connection, let's take a look at the fruit. So surely, if you're the master of all this self, 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 and that's what you're promoting, and slap on the drug, the drug, the drug, the drug, the drug, then you're the happiest person on the planet. These guys are messed up. And one researcher said, Quote, not only are their lives oftentimes worse than their patients, he says, quote, psychotherapy may be known in the future as the greatest hoax of the 20th and 21st century. If you ever get told where it came from, but most people aren't. And it's also been documented, again, uh, that some, even in their own camp, oh, by the way, on that video, Psychiatry, the Industry of Death, who were the people calling out the psychiatry baloney? the people in their own camp, folks. I'm not making this up. Some of them are actually trying to get it banned because they realize that this stuff ain't working and it's actually hurting people, killing people. And shocker, if you're going to listen to doctrines and demons, then what do you think? What's the fruit of that? Satan's a liar, John chapter 8. He's what? He's a murderer. He's been one from the game. All right, so let's go back to that. Okay, so how, how did that happen? How did this uh, get into uh, the church? Okay, well, believe it or not, uh, let's go back into uh, where it came from, and uh, we're going to see uh, where Joel Olstein got it. Because to me, Joel Olstein is one of the biggest promoters of this lie. And again, it's not a lie. What is it? Satanism. Self comes first, right? But let me let me do it. Okay, let's. I, you can go further back, but I'm just going to give you how it was popularized. Because these guys got hooked up with secular psychologists. They began to promote it in the church, and now it's everywhere. Robert Schuler wrote a book in 1975 called what? What's that? Can we, do, can we do a modern vernacular what he should have titled that? Satanism. And wh- wh- where did he promote this at? Not in the back alleys of somewhere in some occult activity. In the church. He wrote a book called Self-Love, and he said in response, and he says, listen, because if you don't listen to the number one law of Satanism, if you got low self-love, low self-esteem, it's actually gonna, that's the cause of crime. No, the cause of crime is people of their own doing choose to do sin. 
right? That's what the Bible says. But anyway, he says self-love. And he said in response to why people commit criminal behavior, I contend that this unfulfilled need for self-esteem underlies every act. Really, so I don't feel good about myself. That's why I commit crimes. No, you commit crime because you love yourself most and you want what you want, even at the expense of committing crime. See how twisted it is? He says, though, self-esteem is the single greatest need facing the human race today. No, getting saved through Jesus Christ and surrendering to him is the greatest need facing humanity today. Now, this guy, he also said it causes crime. Uh, and this is, these are all folks associated early on in the church. Parents, listen to this. Parents should also handle disciplinary problems in such a way as to not damage a child's positive self-image. Really? I don't know about you, but I grew up in a time, not even outside the home, but even in school, when I got out of line in school, I know that's hard to believe, that the unfortunate, uh, apparently side ministry of the shop teacher was he took a big old board. He made a big old giant handle about three feet long. And for our benefit, he was sure to drill some holes in it for, I don't know, better airflow. I used to get whacked. I know it's a surprise. Uh, but by my school, go in there, they take me in that furnace room, me and a couple other guys, right? And you know what? That made a positive impact on our self-image. And you know what we learned? Don't do that. It's not all about you. But do you see how he's got it twisted around? That it's all about, you do that, you discipline, it'll destroy their self-esteem. No, you need to learn that it's not all about you. And then guess what? There's, there's boundaries. You can't do whatever you want. So really what these guys are doing is, Again, as we saw before, sin, what's the middle letter in sin? I. Every time you sin, you're saying, I will do what I want above what God says. Right? And so you guys saying, I can't even discipline. By the way, what's the scripture say? Hebrews 12. God what? Disciplines those who... Did you know he was basically saying God's got it wrong? You shouldn't... But God does it what? Out of love. We do it out of love. Schools used to do it out of love. And you wonder why things are getting so devilish. Because you can't tell people uh, to stop loving themselves. Now, they also say it causes uh, depression. If you don't listen to Satanism, it causes depression. What? This is from Biola, which is supposed to be a Christian university. And this is their school of psychology. Er, mistake right there. And But this is how it came into the church. The church got, uh, I'll use this word, they began to lust after the secular psychology and again, started training people, including future pastors, that you're not qualified you need to do it according to Freud and Young and these other guys. That's how it came into the church. But this is Biola. Wayne Colwell said this, depression always has a loss of self-esteem in the foreground. Be, listen, be slow to direct a depressed person to the where? I, now, folks, if this was the world, I could see that. This is supposed to be a Christian university. Be slow to direct a person to the scriptures. No preaching. I would recommend a recess from church if there's preaching done in the church. So the Bible says, if you read it, which I highly recommend, that uh, if you're uh, depressed, uh, you need to get back on track with God. God. What's the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy. And when you walk and live and keep in step with the Spirit, i.e. put the things of God in your mind, no matter what's going on in life, you can experience what? Joy. And they said, no, nope, don't do that. Don't listen to God. The reason why you're depressed is because somebody's been preaching to you. A Christian university. Nuts. But again, what is this? It's Satanism, folks, crept into the church. James Dobson, he's done some great things. But folks, I disagree with him on this one. He said, if I could write a prescription for the women of the world, I would provide each one of them with a healthy dose of self-esteem and personal worth. What's the Bible say? 
Romans 3, no one is righteous, no, not one. Excuse me? Our worth comes not from us. Our worth comes from being born again in Jesus Christ. And we're made God's children. That's the word of value. It's in Christ and our new identity in Christ. Not just saying, I'm so worthy. I'm worthy. No, I'm not. I'm not worthy to get to heaven. And that's the amazing news of the cross of Christ. Even though I'm not worthy, I was ungodly. I was his enemy. Romans chapter five, he saved me anyway. Isn't that awesome? But nope. The reason why your life is being destroyed, destruction is because you don't have a healthy dose of self-esteem and personal worth. He said, I have no doubt that this is their greatest need and that the lack of self-esteem can actually extinguish the desire to go on living. No, the thought in your brain to not go on living, i.e. kill yourself, you know where that comes from? It ain't the spirit of God. It's from Satan. John chapter 8, he's a liar and the father of all lies. He's a murderer. He's been one from the beginning. And we must have it, he says. And when it's unattainable, everybody suffers. No, when you put gas on the flame of self, everybody suffers. The person suffers. Everybody suffers. Ray Berwick, he says again, a poor self-image can destroy us. Really, how about learn your identity in Christ? And that'll put a smile on your face, man, what Christ has done for us and how much he loves us. That's where it comes from. You had to pay somebody to slap that smile off. But they said, nope, nope. If you don't listen, what is this talk? What's this self-love, self-esteem? What is it? Satanism. Let's translate. If you don't give in to Satanism, you'll be destroyed. That's really what he's saying, right? Let's go even further. It causes suicide. This is Robert Brinkerhoff. He said, the basic psychological cause of any suicide is that the individual has lost any hope of finding any meaning in his present life. Loss of hope or of love of self-esteem in this present life is the foundation. No, it's a spiritual attack, right? And the scripture is clear that if you don't, uh, 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 granted, we're going to have troubles. Jesus said we're going to have troubles. It's not always going to go your way, but what's the issue? What's the antidote? Don't listen to the thoughts from Satan, self-murder, suicide, right? You get back to the word of God that says, God says, listen, I didn't say it was everything to be great, but I love you and you trust me over time. I'll work all things together for good, even your challenges. Have a great day. Go to sleep. Have a great night. Nope. It's because I'm not giving in to self, uh, selfism, Satanism, right? This guy says this, it causes abortions. The reason why ladies not only kill themselves, but they kill their children is because they haven't given in to Satanism. A mother's second area of responsibility during pregnancy is meeting the psychological needs of her baby. The most basic need of the baby in the womb is to have a mother who has a positive self-concept or self-esteem. And that, quote, mothers who choose to obtain abortions do so because of too little self-esteem. No, that's not what it is. You gave in to the lie from Satan, that that's not a baby or it's a blob of tissue and that you uh, can kill it and go back to your what? Because it's inhibiting my what? My life and what I want to do. I don't have time for this. I got what? It's not self, low self-esteem. It's you bought into a lie. And frankly, it's because you love yourself too much because the scripture says you need to be responsible with your actions including if you have a child, which is the precious thing in the sight of God. This guy says this, I, I wonder, Walter Troba, she said, I wonder whether one of the deepest roots of the abortion problem does not lie here. Can an expectant mother who wishes to abort her child really love herself? Well, as harsh as that sounds, folks, at that moment, guess what she's doing? She's loving herself first instead of what God says, which says, do not murder, and your neighbor, dare I say, the baby. She's putting herself first. And he says, no, that's the way she's doing it because she doesn't love herself. No, it is because she loves herself. It's nuts, folks. And watch this. You're going to go to hell if you don't buy into Satanism. Now, that sounds harsh, but this is a direct quote from, once again, 
Robert Schuler. He said once, watch this, this is nuts, man. Tell me this is not from Satan who twists God's truth. Once a person believes he's an unworthy sinner, which last time I checked is the first step in getting saved, God is holy, I am not, right? He says, once you buy into that, it is doubtful that you can honestly accept the saving grace that Christ offers. You know what he just said? If you acknowledge that you're a sinner, which is the first step of salvation, you can't be saved. And here's what he says we need to promote. Instead, we need to focus on a new reformation that focuses on the sacred right of every person to self-esteem. So you're not a sinner. Don't you dare, as Joel Olsen said, don't you dare say those negative words about yourself, right? Don't you ever admit you're a sinner, which is the first step in being saved. In fact, if you admit that you're a sinner, you can't receive God's love. You know what that is? I think that's a doctrine from a demon. You know what I'm saying? And it's a good thing that the church didn't, you know, sit there going like, <laughs> we studied the Bible all the time. We saw this come 100 miles. God prophesied that in three different prophecies. We're not going to fall for it. Churches are falling for it right and left. It's nuts. It's happening before our very eyes. And again, what are we talking about? It isn't just self-love, self-esteem, self 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 What is it? Satanism. And we can really add the rise of devil worship. And could we add in the church. You wonder why things are getting messed up. But as we, as we close, uh, let me give you some uh, further unfortunate news. You would think that people would be waking up in the church, uh, and, um, but they're not. Uh, what's unfortunate is there's every sign that the next generation of these churches that have been promoting basically Satanism from the pulpit, self, 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 another generation's ready to take the baton and go even further. Like this guy's son. Watch this. This is a recent one. You can just thank me later. This is Wretched Radio. There I am scrolling through. I'm not exactly sure what it is. I think YouTube. (laughs) You know the things that pop up. (laughs) And when you watch religious videos, you're going to get yourself good, bad, and... The Joel Osteen, there I am looking at my YouTube feed and up pops a video, not from Joel Osteen, but from Jonathan Osteen. The son of Joel Osteen is now old enough to be, I didn't say qualified enough, old enough to be given the pulpit at the massive church in Houston, Texas. I watched through it. I'll confess, I couldn't watch the whole shebang. It was, it was, it was I don't want to minimize what some of the Fox's Book of Martyrs people went through, but I'm just telling you, it was pretty painful. I did that so you didn't have to. Instead, we'll just give you one minute of this feel-good beating that is about as Christian as, as Oprah Winfrey. Yes, they're the pastors, but they're parents first. And I know they recorded all those services because they were proud of me. And in the same way, God is proud of you. Hold it! Oh! Oh! Jimmy, did we have barbecue for breakfast? Because I'm getting a little (laughs) reflux here. Is that what that is? (laughs) It's something coming up. I imagine he's sitting on the front row of heaven with his phone pointed in your direction. Oh. Oh. 
the fruit, if I can use that noun, clearly hasn't fallen far from the tree. Hold on. It gets more refluxy. He's cheering you on. He's celebrating every step that you take. He wants to remember every little triumph in your life. You're so important to him, he doesn't want to miss a moment. Oh! <laughs> Jimmy, yeah, yeah. I this to, is this is more than reflux, brother. Do I need to call someone? <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> Honestly, and this passes for preaching. Ah, uh, yikes! Yikes is the key word. Ninety-five percent of the church—that's what you're getting. But 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 you know he's overreacting, right? <laughs> Actually, that's biblical. And in my impression, biblically, that's exactly how Jesus feels about these churches that are promoting what? Satanism in the church. Revelation 3.16, so because you're either, you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to what? Spit you out of my mouth is actually the Greek word emeo, which where we get emit or emission. And it literally means to literally barf, to throw up. That's how Jesus feels about these kind of churches. You literally make me want to throw up. And it isn't just that you're preaching Satanism. The number one law, not the 10th one, the number one law. You have the audacity to say that it is above my word and it is above what he did. Jesus self-sacrificed himself for us. You know the Greek word for that? Agapao, which is the word for love, which means it's a verb, it's an action, a self-sacrificial act purely for the benefit of another person. For God so loved agapao, the world, that he what? He gave his If Jesus bought into this message, what would he say? I'm not going down there. That doesn't please myself. But love, biblical love, what? I will sacrifice self for the benefit of one another. That's how we should be as Christians. But what are they doing? Churches are promoting Satanism, and you wonder why the church is so messed up. Isn't that wild? It's almost like we're in the last days. And God warned about it in three different prophecies. People would be lovers in themselves. The church would only desire what they want to desire. And it would literally, if you did the homework, you'd find out it was a doctrine from a demon. All three have already happened. But Lord willing, next time we're going to get into even, unfortunately, more beliefs of Satanism and how it's not only destroying the world, but once again, destroying the church. And people don't have any clue, but we will, Lord willing. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you were blessed with this study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple of things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death. In other words, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and be separated from God for all eternity. This is the great cosmic dilemma. God who is holy and we are not... How can we have a relationship with Him? The two will never mix. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this, even though God already knows He's God. And so God, out of love, gave us something called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not something to just memorize or stick on your wall or give the appearance of being a religious person. The Ten Commandments were God's divine x-ray, if you will, into our heart and soul to reveal this truth that we need to admit. And that is this, that God is holy and that we are not. We are disqualified for heaven. So let's take a look at that divine x-ray that God's trying to get us to realize. 
the, the Ten Commandments. The, the ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That's lying. Okay. How many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand. Okay. Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. You just told a lie because we've all done that. Well, that makes us a liar. The, another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something, right? That makes us a thief. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy. Even his name is holy. Hey, folks, let's be honest. If you can believe it, even the name of Jesus Christ uh, has been turned into a common cuss word. Well, the Bible says that's a sin of blasphemy. Now we're a, a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, here's his standard. Uh, uh, even if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, so now we're an adulterer. The Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? Again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead, okay, that, that's the same thing. Uh, it's akin to the sin of murder. It's just you pulled the trigger in your heart, but God sees the heart. Hey, folks, that's just five out of ten. How are you doing? You still think you're going to get to heaven on your own? You still think that you're qualified, that you're holy like God, and you could bridge the gap and have a relationship with Him forever? I don't think so. I mean, what did we just see? You're going to stand before God, and so am I. We all are. And we're going to have to give an account for who we are. Hey, hey, God, let me in. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a liar. I, I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer. I'm an adulterer. I'm a murderer. And the Scripture is very clear, folks. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're in trouble. But folks, here's the good news. The Bible says that if we would just admit that, that's the first step, to admit that God is holy, that I'm not, I'm disqualified for heaven, I need a Savior. If we would admit that and then ask for the Savior to save us. That, that's what God was doing with Jesus. God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. He took the death penalty in our place, so that we could be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done and be made holy through Jesus so that we can now have a relationship with God both here and now and forever in heaven. We can become qualified. The word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon, that God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes that we've committed against Him and disqualified us, that disqualified us for heaven, right? And we've actually seen this work in real life. Uh, for instance, uh, there's been people who have committed crimes, gone to court, the gavel's been passed, the judge has said, hey, listen, we all know you're guilty, uh, you even admit you're guilty, and uh, for your crimes, you're going to not just jail, you're going to uh, await in jail to go to the death penalty. And did you know that there actually is a way that somebody could get off of death row? It's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes, and they literally can go free. Not because of something they did, because the deeds are already done, you can't undo it. Not because of they tried to clean up their act while they were stuck in the jail cell, because that doesn't change anything. But simply out of mercy, the person who has the authority can give them a pardon, and they can go free. And did you know it's actually on historical record that there have been people who have been granted a pardon from the death penalty, and they've refused to take it. And so even though the offer was there to be set free, they themselves still had to go to the death penalty. 
Folks, in a nutshell, that's what God's doing every single day with all of us this side of heaven. While you still have breath, you still have an opportunity to receive God's pardon. He's willing to forgive you of all your sins if you would just receive His pardon through Jesus Christ. Again, that's what He was doing on the cross. The cross was the death penalty of the day. But since we weren't there, and since we can't earn it, it's a gift from God, you have to receive that by faith. Reach out even today from your own spiritual jail cell, if you will, and say yes to Jesus and God's pardon so that you can be set free and go to heaven. The Bible says that if you will confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Hey folks, if that's you, don't delay. You may not even have tomorrow. Today could be your last day. Please accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth He is the Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the grave. And the Bible says you will be saved. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Gill Life Ministries. If there's anything that we could do for you, our information and, and number will come up here shortly. And please don't hesitate to contact us. But remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.